This is Rob Tebbett for Boxing Social in association with Betfred, joined here again for the second time in two weeks in two different continents by Mauricio Sullivan, the head of the WBC. We're here at the Tyson Fury Otto Valin press conference, or the undercard press conference, should I say, in Las Vegas. How are you, Mauricio? Very, very happy to see you, my friend. Thank you very much. Happy to see you too. Uh, first of all, you've got a lovely piece of silverware or goldware around your, around your chest. Talk to me a little bit about the Mayan belt. The Mayan belt is a trophy that the WBC uh, has instituted for the last three years to celebrate the May 5th, Cinco de Mayo, and the September 16th, the Independence Day, which are the two major holidays of our country. Uh, the WBC was form formed and founded in Mexico, and this is a gift that the WBC and boxing gives to the world. Uh, to clarify, this is not a championship belt, it is not a a world title, it is not anything to confuse anyone. It is simply a piece of art represented in a boxing belt given to a winner of a fight as a commemoration of what Mexico represents uh, to the sport of, the, of boxing. As I understand it, there's going to be two Mayan belts up for grabs this weekend. Jaime Munguia against uh, Patrick Alote is the other belt. Uh, talk to me about the decision to award two Mayan belts this year to this fight as well as that. Uh, the the fight of September, the card of this weekend uh, was divided in three different uh, places. New York, which is David Haney against Abdullayev uh, on the 13th, and then Las Vegas and uh, California. So we had three major events happening at the same time. The WBC started a voting process uh, through the fans, through the media, through uh, the WBC Board of Governors. And the fact is that there was a virtually a tie between this card and the card in California. So the WBC decided to award the two belts to commemorate because we are celebrating a, a weekend, a specific celebration of a country. So uh, we decided to make the two Mayan belts. Some people point to the fact that the Mayan belt should really be for Mexican fighters. You've got Jaime Munguia in the past, Canelo Alvarez has been involved in fights with the Mayan belt on the line. Tyson Fury is British, Otto Valin is Swedish. Why are they fighting for a Mayan belt? That's a great, that's a beauty of it. And that's a real uh, justification of what we are doing with these uh, belts, with this trophy. It is to celebrate and commemorate a date. So. If you go back in history and you look at uh, the May 5th and the September 16th uh, events, which happened on those weekends, you're going to find Mike Tyson, Chavez, Oscar de la Hoya, Mayweather, Triple G, many fighters who contested uh, in those uh, dates. So this is not a celebration for Mexico or to Mexico. It's a celebration to boxing and what Mexico has brought to the sport. May 5th, September 16th are the Mexican holidays that feel uh, Las Vegas. Uh, the Mexican celebration that will feel California, New York, with the people celebrating a holiday and uh, a boxing event around that celebration. So I'm happy you asked that. Uh, it's a British against a Danish. They will, Swedish. I'm sorry, Swedish. Most Scandinavian. <laughs> and they're going to fight and the Dolores is going to award a trophy to the winner because this is a Mexican Independence Day celebration. 
it is Mexican Independence Day, um, or Independence Day weekend. Mexico's heavyweight champion, Mexico's first and only heavyweight champion, Andy Ruiz, has had some comments recently about Tyson Fury, essentially alleging him of, of kind of hijacking Mexican Independence Week uh, weekend away from the Mexican people, being a non-Mexican. What are your thoughts on those comments? I haven't seen the comments, so I would be irresponsible to comment on something I don't know. From what I gather that you're saying, uh, I would say... Uh, Tyson Fury is doing something great. Uh, Walling is doing something great uh, to fight each other and, and to celebrate uh, in a way. Uh, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's, it's today, it's this weekend. But the greatness is what I've seen from Tyson Fury this past week. Uh, he highly praises Mexico and its people. He praises the culture. He praises and understands the difficulties that Mexican uh, nationals have in different parts of the world and he has won the hearts of Mexico. He has expressed uh, sensational care and sincere care for, for our culture, our country. And the WBC, even though it's founded and it's uh, located in Mexico, it's a world organization. We have 166 countries affiliated and there is no compromise or no favoritism to anyone. When that bell rings, there's nothing else than two colors of trunks or two different persons fighting each other that has no identity. So uh, whoever thinks we favor Mexicans, I think uh, what happened in, in the O2 arena was very clear. We don't favor anything. We favor justice. And uh, we have to make sure that whatever happens, we try to make the best out for the sport. We'll come on to that um, in a minute. Uh, first and foremost, uh, as I mentioned earlier on in the interview, the last time I spoke to you was before Lomachenko versus Campbell in London. Um, Lomachenko added the WBC title to his ever-growing list or ever-growing collection of belts. Devin Haney this weekend or on Friday fights for the WBC interim title. Why is there a need for an interim title at this point? Usually, and this is something that we did speak about then, usually an interim title is reserved for if a champion is away from the ring, if he is injured or otherwise. Why is Devin Haney fighting Abdullayev for an interim title? This is a, a unique situation. Uh, when you have a, a multi-division, multi-organization champion request to the WBC to fight for a vacant title, that's a major statement. Uh, Luke Campbell was a mandatory to Mikey Garcia. Mikey Garcia uh, vacates the belt, the championship, the division. So when we received that consideration, the WC voted unanimously in favor to approve Lomachenko to fight Campbell for the vacant WBC title. Uh, we ordered mandatory uh, fights to find the mandatory contenders as per the rules. And uh, Devon Haney against Abdullah Jeff and uh, Teofimo Lopez against... Uh, no, 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 it was. Uh, I'm sorry, I I just got a blank. So we had those those fights ordered. Uh, Teofimo was fighting another organization, so he dropped out. So we left uh, Abdullayev against uh, Haney. Uh, when I met uh, Lomachenko after the fight, I talked to Top Rank. I talked to Lomachenko and his management. And once they won the title, they made it clear he's not going to fight for the rest of the year. He's going to take a rest. And uh, he's looking for 
a major event next year, uh, which you have to put into the balance. What do you do? You're not going to... Uh, you have rules, but your rules cannot go against the sport. Your rules cannot go against the industry. And it is absolutely clear that uh, Lomachenko is a major force in the sport. And Devon Haney uh, and Abdullayev both requested to the WBC to have their fight as an interim title fight instead of a final elimination. They are very happy to fight for the interim title, knowing that uh, Lomachenko is not going to be fighting for a prolonged period of time. So it made all the sense to approve an interim championship. The champion is not available, and we are not going to abuse the mandatory uh, rule in Lomachenko. And this is clear. Uh, the winner of Haney and uh, Abdullayev will be a proud champion, interim champion, and they will have to continue making their worth into the sport and to grow uh, for the time to fight Lomachenko to be worth it for everybody. I don't know if I'm making clear. My English is not so good, but uh, you cannot force a major champion in something that is not just. Because that champion wants to fight uh, big challenges, big uh, uh, fights, big events for the growth of the sport, the industry, and, and the fans. So I feel proud of uh, Haney and Abdullayev understanding that they are on the process of becoming uh, better, of becoming uh, champions and popular. And they're going to win the right to eventually fight whenever it's ready. As I understand it, uh, the plan for Lomachenko will be to face the winner of Tiafimo Lopez versus Richard Comey for an undisputed lightweight title bout early in next year. In that event, usually an undisputed fight or a unification fight would take precedent over a mandatory. So why was there a need to elevate a mandatory bout? If, if Haney, the winner of Haney or Abdullayev became mandatory, then they would still have a prolonged period of time before a mandatory would be called, particularly if an undisputed title or a unification were to take place. So I think fans are kind of wondering why, why is there a need for an interim title when a mandatory, to use an English expression, does what it says on the tin. You become mandatory, then you have a period of time where that mandatory is called. Why is there a need to elevate a mandatory to an interim title? Because of the times. Because uh, it is not fair to the winner to hold them hostage until the time the fight with the champion is going to happen. So I just put it to the balance of the fans. What would you do? You take and strip Lomachenko for not fighting the winner of Haney against Abdullayev, or you accept Haney's and Abdullayev request for an interim title. You decide. I think a lot of fans would, would rather see Lomachenko potentially face the winner of Comey versus Lopez next year? No, that, that's, that's your... Now you're, now you're, now you're not speculating. Or not me. Not I mean, whoever. Mm. Then it's there. Mm. Or whoever's... It's easy to say, well, I would rather this and this and this and this. But we have to be factual. We have to make decisions. And I'm being open and I'm being public. We are not going to strip Lomachenko for not fighting the winner of tomorrow. As simple as that, because it is not fair. 
let's build the mandatory whenever a real mandatory contender is ready to fight the champion. That's what we're going to call it. We're going we're gonna to fight and we're going to battle uh, the reform of the mandatory situation. Uh, to have seen uh, a champion lose the championship from whomever, uh, it's not fair because you cannot abuse your position as mandatory contender. There are rules and there are specific rules and there's specific uh, mandates and there's ways of dealing with everything and the mandatory contender uh, process works very efficiently in most of the cases. And uh, we are looking at specifically the mandatory situation in order to make sure that the rules do not abuse and do not uh, hurt the sport. I hope I'm made. <laughs> Hopefully that's cleared some things up for our viewers. Um, you've mentioned it, you've alluded to it earlier on in the interview. Charlie Edwards versus Julio Cesar Martinez. Um, I don't think I've seen anything like that before in boxing. I've been watching boxing for a number of years. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen what happened at the O2. Explain to me the, the reasons behind doing that. Well, we, we've done it. The WBC has been using instant replay for maybe eight, ten years. Uh, the fact is simple. Even in the little league, baseball little leagues, they're using instant replay. Horse racing is using instant replay. Not to talk about the NFL, baseball, football, uh, all major sports, tennis, hockey. They're using technology to give justice at the time that justice needs to be served. Boxing is not in the dark ages. Uh, Traditionalists uh, are very strongly against uh, changing rules and it complicates matters. What will happen at the O2, uh, it was a perfect ex example. Uh, what you see at the moment, what the referee sees at the moment, is not necessarily what really happened. It's uh, seconds. It's very complicated. And that's why we rely on the instant replay to make the right call. I understand that, and I know that you have been doing it for a number of years, but the British Boxing Board of Control don't allow instant replay. Explain to me the process of the WBC overruling the British Boxing Board of Control in this instance. No, we did not overrule the BBBOC, all to the contrary. And I must praise uh, Charlie Giles and Robert Smith from the British Boxing Board of Control for taking a gigantic steps towards justice. Uh, the fight, uh, we had a, a, a meeting two days before the fight and that topic came up. We said, we are very strong about instant replay. We're very concerned. And we, I mean, we called it in that meeting. What if something happened where thousands in the arena and millions on television are watching the replay. You know, everybody's watching and we are just standing there having done a wrong decision. Is that correct? So the agreement was that it was a WBC fight. The WBC rules will be in effect. We formed a panel of uh, instant replay, which was Charlie Giles, Dwayne Ford and myself. And we followed the process. The action happened. The referee ruled a knockout. That's what he saw. He rules a knockout, he counts him out, and it's a knockout win for, for the Mexican. 
We see the instant replay, we see exactly what happened, and you need to evaluate the whole 40 seconds before, not just that one punch, to understand what happened throughout. And the correct decision was to rule it a non-contest and a direct rematch for, for the championship. So you can confirm, because there was a lot of misinformation I'm, I'm gathering from what you've just said um, that went around even during the fight that the British Boxing Board of Control did not allow. So you can confirm that it was in place beforehand. Yes, it was in place. It was agreed. And uh, I'm proud that it happened and, and it was uh, shown to everybody. We, we did justice. I mean, what when you have a controversy, what good it is to say, OK, I'm going to go home, I'm going to review it, and then I'll let you know. When you have so many people infuriated watching an injustice. And uh, Edwards, he's a proud champion. He's a real uh, special champion to the WBC. He's got a beautiful family history. I'm very proud of him. And Martinez, he was just so excited to win that title. And he was just overwhelming Edwards and the emotions got to him and landed a punch when Edwards was down and and we just went ahead and provided justice. You just mentioned um, ordering an immediate rematch. Do you have any idea as to whether or not Charlie will stay at flyweight? Um, I know I'd spoken to him even before the fight and particularly after the fight and he told me that he had struggled to make the flyweight limit. Is that fight realistically going to happen? Do you have any indication yet from Charlie as to whether or not he'll move up to super flyweight? Uh, we ordered the rematch, and there's a time limit for the free negotiations. I have not heard anything officially from Charlie Edwards or his promoter. So whatever I have seen is from the press, which uh, I'm not certain if, if that's uh, real information. And we're just waiting to hear officially of either they will negotiate the fight uh, or move on and move up to another division. I know the WBC have the weight management program. I know Charlie was enrolled in that before the fight. Um, when you hear things like he was struggling at the weight, like it took a lot out of him to, to make flyweight, does that make you think about ways to improve the weight management program? Yes, of course. Um, the weight management program is, is being one of our priorities. So, uh, and we need the participation of everybody. We need the promoter, the manager, the trainer, the fighter, even their families to participate. Uh, we need a fight, whenever it's uh, contracted, we need to know what weight they're at that moment. Mm -hmm. So you have a, a line that you know how heavy he is, how much weight he has to lose in a period of time. Then we do the 30-day weigh-in, 14-day weigh-in, 7-day weigh-in, the official weigh-in, and then at the arena. Uh, the weight of Edwards did not indicate... Uh, it was very similar to Martinez. Mm -hmm. They almost weighed the same at the arena as well. So uh, I didn't know he was struggling. It didn't show during the 37 and, mm -hmm. and 14 day weigh-in, uh, but only him, he knows what, what went through. Plus from numbers, I'm sorry. From the numbers, what we see, there was no indication that it was a major problem. But now, uh, of course, we are addressing it. Now, I recently spoke to somebody um, who's now retired from the sport, former world champion. Um, I'll keep his name out of the interview out of respect for him. Um, it is available on Boxing Social. If you've, if you've watched the interview, you'll know who I'm talking about. But he spoke to me about having to make weight throughout a process similar to the weight management program. He told me that it forces you to have to cut weight three times as opposed to once, which can then lead to taking more out of you than if the program itself wasn't in place. Just your response to that. Well, that's a very 
theoretical uh, point of view and very responsible and goes completely against the health of the fighters. You're talking about 40 years ago, maybe. Today is today. So if you don't understand that as a trainer, you have to control your fighter. And if you don't understand that as a fighter, you need to lose weight gradually. Then you are full because you are putting the risk of your life every time you fight. Weight is a major problem in the sport because it causes dehydration. When you are dehydrated, your encephalic fluid is suffering. Every time you get punched, you're going to get hurt. So if someone is practicing that of cutting weight to make the 30-day, cutting weight to do the 14, cutting weight to the 7-day, and cutting weight to the official, he should not be in the ring. But do you understand that fighters, trainers, everybody in boxing will look for that advantage? And if that, in their opinion, is an advantage, that will happen. Do you understand? Do you recognize that? That is not an advantage. That is a, a very, uh, how do you say, when you're not smart? Stupid. <laughs> a very stupid way of thinking. A very stupid way of acting. Because you have to understand what happens in your body, in your heart, in your liver in your kidneys, in your brain, every time you cut weight. You should not be in the sport. Whether you're a trainer, whether you're a boxer, if you're doing that to your body, you're gonna suffer either an accident in the ring or you're gonna suffer the consequences mid or long term in your life. Weight cutting, uh, uh, drugs, PEDs, those are two things that are not a game. It's, there's zero tolerance. And, but you have the control on the weight cutting. You cannot expect to weight cut because you're, it's going to hunt you. It's going to hurt you. Okay. Um, you mentioned performance enhancing drugs. We did do an interview just a couple of weeks ago where we covered that very extensively. Um, so we'll leave that for today because we have spoken at great length about that. Uh, people, if you're looking at this and you want to, to know about performance enhancing drugs or the WBC's stance on that, check out our interview from a couple of weeks ago in London. Mauricio Suleiman, always a pleasure. Thanks very much for speaking to Boxing Social. If I don't see you before, I'll see you at the convention. I'll see you in the convention or in some other... I'm sure I'll see you. <laughs> some other uh, <laughs> continent. Thanks very much. Thank you, my friend.